All right, here we go. Nordy's podcast. Guys, we have a special Thanksgiving edition of the Nordy's podcast. We end Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Rewatch. We have all kinds of news. Nordy's rates is back, and we end it with some Thanksgiving discussion. Here we go. Nordy's podcast. And here we go, Nordy's podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Pretty well, man. I'm all right, man. I'm just, you know, here at home and just miss you guys. Yeah, I got, we got the venting out of the way on the last podcast, so I feel like there was some. That was like a therapy session for the first 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. We like to practice what we preach, and that's why we are social distancing, uh, distcasting, as I like to call it, or, or home. I thought we settled on the home cast. <laughs> or the home cast, as we are all at our own homes, and uh, we are hoping that you guys are doing your best uh, to social distance whenever possible, and hopefully you guys will keep um, the people in your family safe by not being around many people uh, this week or Thanksgiving, um, because it's probably the only way to not kill Grandpa and Grandma. Don't kill Grandpa. All right, Don't guys. Don't do it. So uh, this would be a great time since it's Thanksgiving, and we're so thankful for you, for you guys. If you haven't yet, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordeast Podcast. Also, subscribe on any place that you get a podcast, and we're probably there already. Uh, And since it's Thanksgiving and you're so thankful for the hard work we put into entertaining you guys and being your friend, would would you please give us that five-star review that we so desperately deserve? Hell yeah, man. Thank you. All right, guys. We are drinking some beers at home. Ryan, what are you drinking? Well, Jimbo, <clears throat> after his uh, pre-COVID adventure up to northern Minnesota and Portage Brewery, I happened across a liquor store that had a bevy of Portage Crawlers, and I was very shocked. And I have—I don't think I've seen them in the stores yet. And so I grabbed a Pine Line uh like pine tree uh line ipa from portage and it dude it's like a piney remember when lupulin did the uh make a or make ipas piney again or whatever yes very it reminds me of that quite a bit so if you like that sort of uh, uh like gin and tonic flavor it's a really good beer cool man all right jim what are you drinking dude you know it man we're drinking uh our friends at modest did a team up with run the jewels the uh, you know pretty big time Atlanta-based rap duo, um, and this is called No Save Point. Have you tried it yet? So it's a double dry hop New England IPA. Of course, it's going to be like a big hazy beer. I uh, like it. Yeah, I love this. I think it is delicious. I would describe it as silky. That word that I haven't used in far too long because I'm trying not to let everyone be silky. This beer is silky to me. Also, the artwork, which I'm assuming is the artwork for the new Run the Jewels album, is awesome. I love it. They're one of 13 breweries in the world that partnered with Run the Jewels for this cool release. And as always, Modest did not disappoint and did not let us down here in the Twin Cities by nailing yet another great beer. Also, shout out to Run the Jewels in general for especially Killer Mike for his you know, political activism in Georgia 
um, and all of the things he tries to do for the uh, the black community down there. He's uh, he definitely tries to prop up Stacey Abrams um, and get people out and voting and understanding their rights and understanding, you know, where they should stand in the world versus where, you know, society tells them they should. So I love Run the Jewels. They're one of my favorite. And this is not just pandering to the pod. RTJ is one of my favorite current modern uh, rap uh, group, whatever rap duos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love most of their stuff. So that's beautiful. What's a beautiful beer? If you can still get it, they still have crawlers a couple places around the city, I think, but it is pretty limited. Also, the gear they put out was sweet, too. Yeah, that went super fast. Yeah. So we're going to be enjoying this while we pod. Guys, we have awesome stuff to talk about today. Um, we're going to start out with Do We Care? And I would say that the biggest news of the week, in my opinion, is one woman, what is it, 1984? Yeah is coming to HBO Max on Christmas. I am so excited. The same day it's dropping in theaters, which is- That's unbelievable news. First time ever for something like this. I can't wait. It's unprecedented. I'm so excited. Yeah, and uh, like Gal Gadot and, and any of the, uh, Pat Jenkins and people involved with the film all put out like statements saying, we're not going to delay this anymore. We're, we're finding a way to get it to the people that want to see it. If you want to see it in theaters and, and that's allowed, go do it, but do it safely. Otherwise, it's going to be on HBO Max. And I think that's amazing. I So my understanding of it is that it's going to come with your subscription to HBO Max. And that's why HBO did this was to try to drive up uh, subscriptions to their service. However, there are conflicting reports, I think, out there that you're going to have to pay an additional fee to watch this, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think they've ironed out all of the details completely, but if it comes with your HBO subscription, couldn't be more excited. I will be watching it on Christmas Day evening after the children go to bed. So what, I am, yeah. what would you pay for this? Like happily pay? Okay. I Let me just add that I think that they will charge something extra um mulan was a huge live action movie that disney made they first you had to pay for disney plus and then you had to pay 30 dollars to watch it you still have to pay 30 dollars to watch mulan right now on there it is not just free for members so i would expect you may think that this movie will come in and i I would expect about 30 dollars it it could be more um and i would pay more I think that somewhere between thirty and forty dollars is probably fair. I think thirty nine ninety nine is probably the fairest price for this, in my opinion, including yeah. not including um, your subscription, fifteen dollars, right. whatever it is. Um, I would easily pay thirty nine ninety nine. I think over fifty bucks, I would be a little annoyed. What's the max you would pay? I think the max I would pay is probably, I would probably get a few people together and it would be seventy nine ninety nine. Yeah, I think I think in in non pandemic times it would be like a, a like a a UFC pay per view cost, you know, of like seventy bucks. Um, but given the fact that people maybe you know everyone might be kind of locked down in a lot of states. I, I think Eric's right that if it is going to be extra, it's going to be an additional 30 to $40. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, it's going to be an epic movie. It's going to be incredible. Um, but I think Eric's right. Anything over like 45 bucks and I'm going to be kind of annoyed. 
I'm going to even and, and hate pay it. I'm if it had even an 85 degree or 85 uh, Rotten Tomato score, if it was 85 or above, I would pay $100 to watch it by myself. <laughs> Is that crazy? No, it's How not. That's crazy. crazy. I think that's crazy. I'd be excited, man. I'll split it with Fuck you. Fuck it. It's for the pod. That's what I tell myself as I hit the fucking <laughs> in my credit card information. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. If it's 60 bucks, I will just like... Like ah. type in the digits of my credit card as I pay for it instantly. And but then yeah. once the opening credits roll, you're gonna be like, ah, this is totally worth it. Yeah. Totally worth it. Don't even care. Yeah. Money well spent. All right. Well, I'm so excited. I can't wait. That's just a, like a little over a month. So we care a lot. It's coming soon. And this should be a way that most movies, I would guess, from now on will be available. It's gonna be the wave of the future. And yeah. it, their hand was forced. And I think that if they can figure out the financials that it's a win-win for everybody, except for the movie theater owners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Eric, you still have movie pass, don't you? I mean, that's got to help out a little bit. So <laughs> you can offset some of the cost. Yeah. All right, guys, probably the second biggest news of the week, Netflix announces that money heist season five, the final season is coming out in 2021. Don't care. I uh, don't care. Oh my gosh. Never going to make it to it. Never going to make it to see that. Well, that's that's too bad. All right. Uh, I care a lot. I can't wait. Thank you um, for um, uh, Casa de Papel. Oh, yeah. Which is a way what is better the, name. Yeah. What's the, what, so let's just, this will be the last time we do it. Eric, let's say Netflix was like, this show's too big. We're going to charge you extra. What's the price you would pay to watch the final season of Money Heist? 10 episodes, Money Heist. 30 bucks. Okay. Three bucks an episode. Kind of like what you'd have to pay if you bought it. Was, if it was $39.99, would you pay it? Yeah, I'd be pissed if I'd pay it. 50 bucks, I'd probably be like, fuck you guys. <laughs> have or, to rob a bank to afford this. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to rob a bank. I'm going to rob a mint. A mint, right. All right. In terrible news that I know we all feel awful about this, the Friends reunion is most likely canceled due to the pandemic. Oh no! I uh, know it really sucks for Ryan, who, um, besides being a massive Chandler fan, also had a long time crush on Phoebe. Um, how are All you? True. How are you holding up, Ryan? Well, I mean, other than devastated, <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> uh, I, I can't think of a reunion. Like I thought the the way that Curb did the Seinfeld quote unquote like reunion was just like perfectly executed. Um, but like just to get like the friends band back together, it's already a bad show. Yeah. And I have no reason to like if it was being incorporated into something else somehow, like the, the Larry David Seinfeld reunion made perfect sense, right? Because yeah. he was the executive producer, the writer, you know, him and Jerry started the whole thing. And it just folds in seamlessly. But just to be like, oh, we're going to pick up with these characters 15, 20 years later. Like, I can't think of anything I care less about. I didn't care at the time. I don't care now. I wouldn't watch Eric, it. But your high school students are going to be heartbroken. Sure. They're going to be like, they. you don't understand how many of them watch Friends. Or like, I've watched all Friends twice. I'm like, dang. Like why? Dude, horrible waste of your time. At that time of their life, when they could be out doing some crazy ass wild shit, getting sweet air on some pegs on a fucking BMX bike. I don't know what kids do, but they should be doing that. 
that instead yeah. of watching Friends. Did you guys have pegs on your bike? Because I didn't, and I no. I know I didn't. I had to buck people by going on my handlebars, which is dangerous and sketchy. Yeah, that is much sketchier. Um, we were all pegs guys, but we just didn't have them. I th- my I tried buddies had the pegs. Dude, I got a I got a Spalding bike from like uh, Target or whatever back in the day. No one tried to pawn it off. I tried to pawn it off as like a BMX bike, and then they were like, "Well, turn your turn your handlebars like 360." But like the brake lines like (laughs) got tangled up, and I was like, "Uh, "You know what I mean?" Like so, I got called out pretty quickly with that. Didn't have the gyro. Mm -mm. That's funny as hell. Eric, I thought I thought for sure you'd be like the Dino Compy kid with like it it all completely like tricked out and customized. Yeah, bike. I always wanted to be a BMXer, but I wasn't like good enough at it. But I had the Ryan Nyquist Haro dirt dirt jumping bike. Of course you did. I did. Yeah. But I just didn't have pegs. Wasn't good at it. All right. <laughs> Scott, Scott and Laura were like, hey, we're paying for the bike, but until you show us something, you ain't getting pegs. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you can't do a bunny hop. You're not getting pegs. Um, all right, guys. Next up, Deadpool 3 is on the way, and it's coming this time from Marvel Studios. That's good news. Oh, hell I yes. care. I care. Yeah. I care about that quite a bit. That means Deadpool will now be in the MCU. You most right. definitely will be getting characters crossing over into Deadpool movies, even if it's just for funny things. Right. And at some point you will get the new Wolverine showing up in a Deadpool movie. Right. What's well, funny is be like in this Deadpool movie, though, I think they'll save him for a bigger yeah, post credit or something. Yeah, Deadpool four, you're gonna yeah. get Wolverine's gonna show up, and and uh, who's who's the old Wolverine? Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman and Hugh Jackman's gonna show up too. And you know how I know that is that I and sorry for interrupting, but like Ryan Reynolds still like tweets and does stories at Hugh Jackman. Which is like the perfect way to get the hype train rolling again mm-hmm. for Deadpool three and talking about introducing Wolverine. I, I think for sure there is going to be some X Men crossover because there already has been with like their obviously like their lower end characters. But if you're going to introduce the X Men into the Marvel universe, Deadpool is the perfect vehicle or conduit for that. Mm-hmm. Would you guys say that your favorite Ryan Reynolds movie is Van Wilder? Maybe. Yeah, I it's think pretty I'm solid. It's, it's pretty damn good. I don't know. Deadpool 1 was great. Mm, love Van Wilder, though. Yep. Yeah. Dude, a, lot of, a lot of one-liners from that. A lot of one-liners. I feel like we all used a lot of Van Wilder liners for a while. I can't believe there's no sequel for that in an age where everything got a sequel, man. Oh, there was. there's like three sequels did he did just without ryan reynolds yeah no ryan oh. reynolds but it, it had like the other ancillary characters and now i think that was also like peak tara reed as well mm. was there a peak tara reed well between Absolutely. like american pie and van wilder i think that she found her niche and then got like you know far into drugs and alcohol and fell off at that point and she but, had that botched plastic surgery that made her really yeah that was all bad all bad stuff is she dead, you guys? No, she's been in like every Sharknado movie, I think. What? Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, I can see our new rewatch coming to shape. 
<laughs> or first watch. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, we all care about Deadpool. Do we all care about Black Panther 2? Um, starts production in July. We don't know what they're going to do about the Black Panther character. Um, I'm hoping they recast it. That's what I want to. I like. Agreed. I know that there's a lot of push for Suri to be. Is that her name? Shuri? Suri? Shuri? Shuri. Yep. Shuri. Yeah. I'm. I know there's a lot of push for Shuri to be the new Black Panther, but I think her character is already very important, and yeah, it's only going to expand and be cooler and more important as they go. She's like, she's like the, um, the, who's the guy in, in Q. Bond? She's Q. Q. Yeah. She's Q, but like also has weapons and fights and is a badass herself. Yeah. No, she's great. I don't want her to take that, that role on. I want them to recast. I think that they won't. I think they won't. I think she will be the new Black Panther and I think it's a mistake, but it will still be good. You know, so I, I wondered, dude, so I'm not going to uh, call it a mistake when it's Marvel. I'll just wait and see. I'm sure it'll be awesome. I just, you know, Letitia is fantastic as an actress. She's great, but you're right. She had it. She has her role figured out. Like she she's going to be awesome. Role that I'm already really interested in, and I think I would rather just pretend that, um, especially out of respect for Chadwick, that we just already have had Black Panther and it's going to transition seamlessly. Kind of yeah. like Dumbledore, you know, like I'm fine doing that. I think it'll be a recast and here's why. I think the way, like the ceremonial ways that they could transfer the, or pass the torch onto a new Black Panther could go pretty seamlessly. I, I, I don't exactly know how they would, you know, tell the story, but I feel like it would be one of those things where they're, you know, at the waterfall and um, anybody can challenge so-and-so after Black Panther in a mask that's supposed to be Chadwick Boseman gets taken out by some, you know, rebellion or whatever, and they need to replace him. And then there are other people that step up that were part of the faction, and, you know, you get your new lead for, for Black Panther. I think that's How the way they'll go. bummed are they that they killed Killmonger? Yeah. yeah. I think they I know. Should, I think they should retcon that and they should just fix it and be like, All right, you thought he died, but he didn't he he saved lived. him. He lived in the and he's like, world and he's back and he's Black Panther. That's and he's turned a new leaf and <laughs> you know, he's yeah, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, yep, most excited about. So do we care? I mean, obviously, as we are writing it ourselves right now, we obviously care. We care. Yep. Okay, Robert England is joining Stranger Things as season four. Who is Robert England for those who don't know, Jim? Ooh, Robert England is like a an old school monster actor, right? So he's been in a lot of horror movies. He was Freddy Krueger, right? Most you may not recognize. Yep. Most notably, you know, he had the the stuff on. Um, but yeah, so he's you know he's has done other stuff. He's done some comedy stuff, but I think he will probably play a scary character. Maybe a maybe like a disfigured freaky like half scientist half fucking you know person from the the upside down something wild something really scary i think he'll be he'll be a part of if he if he's robert england just as like himself i'm going to be extremely upset if he's like the gas station attendant that like gets yeah, caught up like, in their adventures like no they won't yeah, do no, that no 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 they'll give me use robert his england talent with, yeah give me robert england with all the facial 
scarring and whatever yeah. that they can muster. He give does me, a give me great, all of that. like, maniacal laugh and a scary, creaky voice and all these things. So they'll have to use, they hired him to use what he does. I, I was going to say, if, they, if they're bringing in Robert Englund to just have him play, like, his normal self, you know, uh, they that should be the end of the, the series. Yeah, <laughs> right. So All yeah, right. I care a little bit. It's not a huge cast, but it, it's a huge casting, but it's a big, it's Re- cool. I care. Real quick question. Real quick question for you guys. Since we're talking about Robert England, mm-hmm. what was the most, like the, the character in like horror movies that you either saw in like trailers or on a movie that scared you the most? Cause for me, it was definitely Freddy Krueger with the glove and the hat and the red and black striped shirt that gave like, literally I couldn't go to sleep sometimes thinking about him as a little kid. Mm, that's a good one. I mean, I was pretty scared of like, you know, I guess I have to go back a little further. I was going to say like the, the people from like the ring, that was always very scary to me. I don't know. Those movies are a little behind, like before my time, you know, they were big yeah, that in the eighties. Like that was when I was like yeah. six and that, and that shit, like, I couldn't sleep like after seeing like trailers and stuff of that. I think I'm not going to come up with a good example. No, I don't have a good answer. All right. Fair enough. Moving on. Eric, you you were saying you care. I care about uh, anything stranger things does because it is one of the premier shows in all of television. All right, guys, we're going with a little rapid fire round here. So give us uh, your quick your quick thoughts on it. First up, Chaos Walking trailer drop. What do we know about this, and why should people be excited? Yeah, so it's it's Tom Riddle, no Tom, Tom Holland. Holland and Daisy Ridley. I kind of fucked that up. <laughs> I made you dinner. I've been drinking all day, boys. Um, that was perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> and, and I fucking literally watched Chamber of Secrets day with my kids. So that's gonna bound to happen. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a new sci-fi movie. I watched the trailer. I was like lukewarm on it. Ryan, you had more positive thoughts. So this, this gives me a lot of vibes of like uh, Alex Garland type filmmaking. And I really like that. And I think Tom Holland in this role is going to be really good. Daisy Ridley looks nothing like Ray, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll, she'll be unrecognizable as a, as a Jedi in this. I think the concept is really cool. I don't know. Like, I love these kind of weird science fiction movies with with action and aliens and scary aliens. I think it, I think it's going to be kind of cool. Like, a, a, like I said, a little bit across, like Alex Garland and maybe, um, you know, Prometheus, mm-hmm. uh, but with younger actors and actresses. I think I think it's going to be really cool. So I think it's set in a world where there's only guys, and so Correct. she appears, and then all these guys are like running up to her, obsessed, so she can really pull on her experience. From Comic Cons. <laughs> the only difference that big, is that, that was a huge setup. I'm <laughs> yeah, no, but that, I think that's a pretty good analogy. Except that if if Comic Con, she could hear what they were thinking. Oh based yeah, on on one of the uh, mechanics of the movie. So because they she have what's called the noise. No, no, no. I think she would be out of there pretty quickly. All right. Next up, uh, we all care. I think I care. I like both of them, so I think I care. Yeah. All right, uh, Spike Lee's next movie has been announced, and it's going to be a musical about the creation of Viagra. I mean, it's it's a fun headline, and I'm sure it's an interesting story. I mean, I'm sh- I don't know. Is we try to watch the Spike Lee movies? I mean, they're generally like good and noteworthy, and um, but this is pretty out there. I don't know, guys. For me, this is something that I could really get up for. 
Ah. <laughs> Do we have to write a bad both joke? Of you, both of you, both of you are fired right now. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I care. I think we'll if see. Jimmy Channels gave this a 94 Rotten Tomatoes, I would be like, meh. You still would? <laughs> I thought you were going to say then you'd watch it. You would still wouldn't mm, care. I, I mean. Don't you know where your favorite medicine comes from? Like, why wouldn't you want to know? <laughs> I mean, people are all about, like, sourcing and stuff these days and what you put into your body. I just go to Canada, man. It's like, it's like <laughs> a seven-hour drive. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's official. Um, the Last of Us has been ordered um, by HBO. It's officially coming. How excited are you guys for the show? You think this is going to be one of their big Sunday night blockbuster shows? Yep. All of that. All of it. Yeah. Last of Us, huge PlayStation exclusive, um, story driven. You know, it's a it's kind of a like a fungus virus zombie post-apocalyptic thing. Um, some of the best storytelling ever to be in a video game. Um, some of the highest rated video games. There's now two of them, part one and part two. Phenomenal games. I mean, I, I know a lot of people will back me up on this. And they're bringing in the people that created Chernobyl. The writers, the directors. I mean, what a team. You know, un, like that show was perfection. And I just, I, they're taking it seriously, it seems like. They're taking a video game adaptation, and the game takes itself seriously, and it succeeds. You know, so it I'm doesn't even have to make fun of itself. It's just a good fucking game. Good story. I'm going to go on record and say, and I'm the one that pans video game adaptations. Yes. I'm going to go on record and say, this is going to be the first good one. Okay. Like, like legitimately great television. Number one, they have, like you said, Jimbo, they've got an awesome story to draw from. Very, mm -hmm. I mean, way too much content for a season of TV, you know, just based linearly on the game, but they can pull out the highlights. Like to recreate that opening chase scene in the video game where you're, I mean, you're not even a player. You're just, you're basically watching like a 20 minute short film, right? Right. Unbelievable, unbelievably terrifying and real and immersive. And I think if they could even capture 85% of what the video game did, then they're going to have a winner on their hands. And I'm here for it. Like, it, it, you're absolutely right. This game was, I mean, it's a 98 out of 100, like across the board, like easily. Yeah. And other, other than the fact that like the missions get a little slow and redundant, the, the game overall is fantastic. Um, the casting is going to be key on this, I think. Um, yeah. It's good. They're going to have to nail those, but even so, even even if they miss a little bit on who's going to play who, I mean, because they, they can't get all A-listers for every single part, but it's just going to be a great, great adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, so they have to cast, like, almost a John Hamm, kind of older, grizzled guy who's, like, a stronger, um, you know, white dude. That's that's main casting. And then the girl. The girl will be more important because Ellie? she will continue on. Ellie is like a 15 year old girl. Oh, um, and so they can cast like a, you know, they can cast a 20 year old. It'll still work, whatever. But um, that'll be the most important casting is Ellie. And I think that they'll probably go with someone unknown, but we'll see. Millie Bobby Brown. Or no, I, I thought that too. And I think that she, is it they need to be a little bit less girly and a little bit more like, 
Millie Bobby tough. Is for sure exclusive with Netflix or with uh, Netflix now. Okay, right? fair enough. Yeah, yeah, she might be. That's a good point too. Her yeah, pick would have been Lyra. Yeah, I thought about that too. There it is. I, I honestly, they probably do. I don't know that she can do both at the same time because they, they'll continue. But that's what I'm saying. She can't. So, I mean, they already have her playing a bad oh. young female role for them. I mean, there's no way they're going to pick her again. So I think it will be someone completely unknown. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, when Daphne Keene was in Wolverine or Logan, I guess it was Logan. Logan. Yeah. She was unknown at that time. And now she, like everybody, she, everybody wants her for everything. So She's they great. can pick somebody unknown and nail it. All right, so finally, uh, do we care about that? Yeah, I care. Oh, uh, yeah, we care. I think almost anything that HBO says, guys, get excited about this. I'm like, yeah. I am. <laughs> Done. All right, Ari Aster, is that his name? Ari Aster? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ari Aster, Seth's next film, which is going to be called Bo is Afraid. Did I get that right? Yep. What is this movie going to be about, and why should anyone care? Okay, so it's supposed to be, uh, shoot, uh, pulling up my notes. This is the problem of doing things uh, remotely. It, so Ari Aster, just for a little backstory, did yeah. Hereditary and Midsummer. Love them. Did you like Midsummer? Um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I just was like a little bit disappointed after the hype of Hereditary. Like I watched Hereditary, could not wait to see Midsummer, and then thought it wasn't that scary, overly long, didn't care about all the characters as much as I was supposed to. A couple things wrong with it. Pacing was weird, but it's still like the guy has massive talent and I cannot wait for his next movie, which apparently we're hearing about now. Yeah, so it's it's described as a surrealist horror film set in an alternate present, um, which is so. And what's really weird about this is that the article that sort of highlighted this has a picture of Joaquin Phoenix from the master um, at the top and that he may be the lead in this film. Oh my God. Joaquin in there would be crazy. Crazy. I mean, well, that would immediately, I mean, that would immediately take it from like uh, kind of interested to probably going to see it as soon as it's available. Yeah. I mean, Ari Aster is definitely now to the point where he could probably get Joaquin Phoenix, who's very selective with his roles, um, to step in and do this thing. I mean, he's a big deal now. I definitely care about this. I'm I'm pretty psyched on it. We don't know a lot yet, but you know, these movies are best to come into even without watching a trailer. Just try to which we I'm never not going to watch a trailer. I'm always gonna watch a trailer. But this is a movie where if you didn't, you'd probably be better off. And I think uh this is the point in time where since Eric can have no opinion on Ari Aster because he hasn't seen anything that we need to publicly pressure him into watching uh, hereditary and committing to the committing. podcast, finally committing to the podcast to watching things that like might make him uncomfortable in the next six days. Tonight I'm going mm-hmm. to watch tonight or tomorrow. I'm going to watch the rock. That's my top priority after last week's sell job by you guys. Yeah. Watch that. That'd be great. Okay, guys. Uh, Ryan, hit us with the Hot Rex jingle. All right. That was something. 
<laughs> All right, guys, here we go. Hot Rex, um, Mandalorian. Is there any other place to start other than Mandalorian? No. This nope. is firmly grasping onto uh, the – no, it's not even grasping onto. It's wearing the title belt uh, knowing that nothing can touch it or attempt to take it away. This is like watching a $300 million movie in episode format. Um, the action scenes are beautiful. They're incredible. They're so well shot. The directing is amazing. The acting is great. The writing is great. This is um, one of the best shows that I've watched in quite some time. Mm -hmm. All that is true. All true. This last episode was full of action. How exciting was um, the siege? Know? Season yeah. two, episode four, right? So, like they they went to he went back to Navarro, which we've we've visited a few times now. He's they're kind of coming back to the hits a little bit. So there's definitely some planets they like to revisit. Um, they're going back to Navarro. He meets up with Carl Weathers' character. Who's kind of like his pimp, like his pimp, right? So like he gives him the jobs. And Gina Carano. And Gina Carano, who still can't act. Just checking oh. in on her. She's still Correct. a bad actress. So that's good to know. And they gave her very few lines. She's she maybe said four things poorly. She's just like, yep, still here. <laughs> yep. I loved everyone. Yeah, we know. She, uh, she's, also an anti she's also an anti-masker in real life. And also, really? her Instagram has tons of like misquoted uh, pictures of like former like celebrities and things like that. Like the the lines are completely incorrect, but she's reposted the picture as if they are. Anyway, well, that doesn't surprise me. But anyways, um, so yeah, I it was like this adventure to go storm the siege. Is that the name of it? I, I don't remember the name of the episode, but I think it's called you know, the they, siege. So, yeah, they go to this facility to try to kind of drive out the last of the, you know, the dead empire, but it's sort of clinging on. And I think overall the episode was not maybe the, my least favorite of the season, and I still loved it. So, like, that kind of shows how good it is. But the stuff at the end was huge for world building stuff. Like, why do they want baby Yoda um, you know, what's Giancarlo Esponito's character actually doing with the, like the dark saber and what's his plan? And is he going to, is he trying to, you know, restart the empire and all those things were huge, huge. And we, we, um, the episode before we got word that, uh, Ahsoka, he was going to have to go find Ahsoka. Who's one of the great Jedi warriors ever. So. Yeah, which actually, I think part of that, like the setup at the end of episode three, made me a little bit bummed out because this is one of those shows where, you know, he has an ultimate goal throughout the whole series. His series goal is to get this child safe to a safe spot. And then he'll have season goals. <laughs> you know, first, first season is sort of just to literally escape danger. Second season seems to be to meet up with, with Jedi to get some clues on it. And like along that path, of course, there's detours, but every detour that happens, I lose patience a little bit. And so for him to be like, oh, I got to fix my ship. So we have downtime. I'm going to take this little side mission because we have downtime. Like I want to get, I want to meet Ahsoka now. And I thought that maybe this might be the episode, but maybe next episode. I agree that the, the side quests have become a little bit tiring uh, to the point of nonsensical. Like 
is he going to have a side mission in every single episode? And the answer so far has been yes. Yes. And I understand yeah. that he had to get his ship repaired. And and interestingly enough, this this uh, episode was directed by Carl Weathers as well. Yeah. You guys didn't catch that at the end, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. But of course, they had to come back. And I think that that might be his sort of last hurrah, maybe, in the show itself. Um, and that we may not come back here again. And so that's why they were like, well, you can go ahead and direct it. We're going to give you a nice little send off. Um, mm. And hopefully they send off Gina Carano as well. Um, the, the woodenest of wooden characters. She would have been perfect for George Lucas back in the day. She would have fit <laughs> in like swimmingly in uh, Empire somewhere. But uh, yeah, I think, I think they need to like move the plot along. But I think that's why the end of the episode, uh, the, the scene of, um, you know, the, the failed uh, genetic, genetically modified people and then the, the scene of the successfully genetically modified people at the end uh, yeah. were super important. Um, also, did you guys catch the line about the M count? Yes. Which I, I think did. was super important that they're talking about midichlorians without saying midichlorians because it's going to trigger a bunch of people. So they said M count yeah. um, and they couldn't take too much blood from baby Yoda um, and they need to get the subject uh, again to continue the experiments. And I think that these two factions are going to come to a head uh, very soon. And that's where Ahsoka Tano is going to come into play and maybe step in and help Mando or something like that. I think, I think it's going to, it's going to come to like a big battle. I think this is going to be like um, the scene in true detective with the 10 minute uncut, uh, you know, drug house, scene where we're we're going to be left shocked um within you know the battle and and the fight between giancarlo as you called him jim espinito and uh ahsoka tano was What's that the, not even close to his actual it's, es it's esposito but yeah it was close isn't his, right. isn't his name um moff gideon in the show gideon, yeah. which mm -hmm. i couldn't recall the first time so i went with a way more complicated no worries real name um always must watch yeah. must watch this show is worth the price of admission of buying yourself Disney Plus if you don't have it. It is. Couldn't agree more. Well, I think that the this show seems so nerdy and so, like, you must be a Star Wars nerd to watch it to people that they're scared off of watching it. If that's you, um, you could know nothing about Star Wars and you could get a lot out of the show. Or you could know everything about Star Wars and you could get a lot out of the show. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. I've talked to people on both sides of the fence, and they're all excited about it. They're like, oh, that person has a whole past as a character, and they have a whole history. That's cool. I didn't need that to enjoy their their addition to this episode. I think yeah, you're right. It, 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 they, they do a good job of dropping in Easter eggs for the, the super nerdy fans, but then do enough character development for people who aren't necessarily fans to be able to grasp everything that's happening. Agreed. All right, guys. His dark materials is the only challenger I think currently, but um, worthy challenger who will not dethrone um, Mandalorian, but still I was very impressed with the first episode of his mm -hmm. dark materials. I'm so glad it's back. I think that this was the best episode of the show ever. Agreed. I think that they got it. They, you know, the first episode, the BBC started it, the first season, the BBC started it. They don't have the biggest budget in the world. 
HBO came in at some point through production and pumped money in for probably mostly for special effects, maybe for some writing oversight. And then in season two, they had full say. So we get to see almost like photorealistic animals at all times in every scene, which I loved. And we felt weird in the first one when, wait, don't all these characters have a demon? Where are the fucking animals in this group scene? They, they fix that. And they just, it feels more like an immersive world than ever. Don't you guys think? I completely agree. I completely agree. It, it, it was even the, even the top episode of season one, that was really good watchable TV. This felt like a real production. Like this felt like you understood motivations. You understood the characters, you understood the arc. And it was just, although a little bit slow, a couple times felt like you, you really got a little bit of like a fast forward into the main arc of the story and the first episode. And I hope yeah. they don't slow that down. I want them to keep that train going at a hundred miles an hour and not slow it down. Okay. A few things. One, Daphne Keen Lyra is found to be a huge star. Yep. She's phenomenal. Everything she's in, I think she just takes over the scene. She's so good. Um, the woman who plays Coulter is huh. so good. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. She's probably the best actress or actor in the show. So, Jibbo, and let's. I want to ask you a comparison to the to the book. Does does mm -hmm. Coulter fit? Because I never read, I haven't read the the second and the third. Does Coulter fit? Um, the like the image that you had in your head while you were reading the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I mean, she's she's capable of taking power. And knowing what to do with it and she's motivated to do that and that's what she's doing at this point um she has her own interests and motivations and she's constantly using people and using people and tricking people um i mean i, I think she's perfect um i think that the biggest i mean i don't want to pivot right to a disappointment but i'm really worried about lin-manuel miranda's character um, he does a bad job. The, this episode is better because he only had a few lines in it. He literally, like, he was in that, that kind of, he, he met with the witches at one point in this episode. And they asked him a question and he, like, responded and he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? I literally laughed out loud at a point that wasn't, wasn't supposed to be funny. I was like, so this guy side, is trash. He's not a good quick, fucking actor. Quick sidetrack into that. My wife and I finished Hamilton, right, on Disney+. Mm -hmm. Plus. And I'm not going to go into the Hamilton production, but you can see that even though he wrote and did everything and produced and, and all of that with Hamilton, he is the least talented person on the stage. And that includes the tables and the stage hands and props <laughs> like the tables are uh, provide more to the story than he does himself. So um, yeah. Lin-Manuel for Manuel Miranda to be in a production of this size is a problem. Yeah. He needs to for be, his character. I think at least for a while he needs to be pick his roles very selectively and he needs to be a writer um, and write musicals and all those things. But he cannot be this cool actor guy that we think he is. He's not like, he's not cool enough. He needs to get Dumbledore. Yep. Guy. Well, Oh yeah, that's right. The guy, the guy died. Just recast. I mean, they're not going to yeah, recast, but recast. 
he's just like as I know, I know how this is supposed to go, and he's so far already. He's had he's supposed to have had some of the coolest, like funny moments, and he's blown them. They haven't gone well, and they've probably written out a lot of it. And he's going to have big moments. Like he is supposed to be this big hero of the show, and I don't know how they're going to pull it off with him as a as a actor. So we'll see. That's the only worry I have about the show. It was awesome. I was I'm so excited to watch. I'm probably going to watch after this tonight. Um, all right. So one thing, uh, you know, we try to let you guys into our lives and we try to let you guys get to know us because we truly are your friends, especially during time of lockdown, kind of pan, you know, pandemic, you're at home all day. You need friendship. You're missing people. You have your friends here at the Nordies podcast. So we try to give you guys kind of a peek into our lives, but we don't always do the best job. So one thing that you guys probably don't know about Jim is that he is a Lego fanatic and he has Lego. Lego sets, adult Lego sets, ten thousand piece, twenty thousand piece. Yeah, of his own. He looks like fucking Mall of America. Um, you watch yeah, Star Wars. Most Lego people don't know that Lego Star Wars Christmas special. Of course, you did. Um, what did you think? Well, I mean, the real the realism wasn't perfect compared to the vintage sets that I have from the seventies and eighties. Um, you know, those are those are twenty thousand plus pieces, and these were maybe twelve. So, it was not into that at all. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. Um, look, man, this was pretty fun. It was so Disney Plus made like a, a Lego Star Wars holiday movie. Holiday, it's it's like maybe one hundred and twenty minutes long. It's it's pretty damn fun. I know my kids enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. They kind of go through like they take Daisy Ridley's character. Ray is like the arc throughout. She's the focus, but then she gets to go back and revisit these big moments from every episode, pretty much every episode of star Wars got some kind of callback through this device where she can travel through space and time. And they just mix it up. It's super fun. This is not not canon in any way, so it's total goofball shit. But I, I had a good time with it. I liked it. It's a fun watch. If you have kids, that's better. If you don't, maybe check it out still. Okay. All right, guys. You know what time it is. It's that time again for... Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Rewatch. Hell yeah. Yeah. The final, the final installment. This is it. This is We're it. ending on a low point. <laughs> Guys, we are here at Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Wow. That was a movie. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal, guys. I'm just going to start off by saying this movie was much better than I remembered. Fair. Me too. Me too. Much better Disagree. than I remembered. Now, that does not mean it was anywhere near good. But I at least, like, I didn't have a bad time. No, I didn't have a bad time. I mean, it definitely had its issues. Um, but, you know, overall, I think that they tried to sort of write this more modern s story with modern pacing and kind of like a love letter to previous characters, maybe stuff that the two, you know, um, the maybe Spielberg and Lucas didn't get to show as much love to like, you know, Marion, 
And so they want to bring her back in. And did they bring her in? Oh, God, yeah, they did. They've made it maybe over the top. It's like, sorry, you, we cast you out of the last two movies. Please come back. Um, but overall, like, I think maybe watching the first three helped because there was cheesy shit in the first three movies. And so when I watch this, I'm like, it fits in better than I remember. I mean, I know. what Do you guys know why Marion wasn't in the second movie? Because they wanted to keep it like Bond and sort of like keep introducing a Bond girl. And then they oh. kept they... Uh, who's, who's the girl married to? Spielberg? Oh, she married him oh, eventually. Kate Capshaw. Yeah. yeah, so what happened is is he was at the bar drinking one night, and he was bragging about how he was Steven Spielberg, and he was making Indiana Jones. And then she was like, I've always wanted to be an actress. And he was like, I'll make you a star of Indiana Jones. Like, come back to my room. And then you they be got a star, him. baby, a star. And then that's why she was the star. Marion no longer in the movies. It was all because of that. I, I believe that could be totally possible. Yes. Um, okay, so let's start with this movie. It starts with... Um, Russians breaking into um, like an Area 51-ish military base um, dressed as American. Well, it's, the, it's the warehouse that they the that they showed in, in Raiders. Yeah. No, no, but I was saying it was like, wasn't it in Area yeah. 51 or something like okay. that? Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Just You could have just said the Raiders warehouse and that would have made sense. They go to there though. The warehouse is part of this military base and they're there to find a specific artifact um, they just dump the Ark of the Covenant on the ground during the scene. Um, the whole thing is just cheesy lines by Indiana Jones that were like, yeah. kind of set the movie off on the wrong foot. Agree. Agree. <laughs> the first 10 minutes are the worst 10 minutes. And the I'm like, dude, minutes, this is going to be trash. The first 10 minutes were really bad. And like what they needed to think of when they were writing this is that like, yeah, of course. Um, of course, why can't I think of the actor's name? Um, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is still incredibly good looking and handsome, even for an old guy. He is not nearly as athletic as he was as like a 45 year old Indiana Jones in the 80s. So the fact right. that they have him like running on boxes while like 600 people are shooting machine guns at him and he's just like grandpa dodging all of them was not working for me. No, it was not. Yeah, I was like, I, I thought literally the stuntmen, wow, did they get a lot of work in this movie. I mean, it was all old people and then stuntmen. I just kept thinking like, oh, he would have been shot a thousand times. Is what I kept Yeah, thinking. I hate the I hate the uh the stormtrooper effect with like fifteen dudes with machine guns shooting into the scaffolding above the warehouse Ugh. and not, not, not a single bullet dares touch him. You know, and you know I, what? I there was some of that. Like when I look back at the other movies, there was some of that him running across in the, the, you know, the, before the minecart scene, he's running across these platforms and nobody can shoot him. but you're sort of like, they're farther away and there's fewer of them. There's you know what I mean? Away, they're using cheap weapons in India yeah. that are probably left over from some world war two base. So, you know, I was like, I buy it. But in this one, I was like, nah, dude, these were like elite Russian soldiers shooting an old man from point blank and they couldn't hit him while he climbed. And they were, and yeah, they, this, these soldiers were handpicked by the lady, right? She's not just grabbing like any Tom, Dick and Harry off the infantry line, you know? So I knew we were in trouble when they cut open the package that was magnetized and there was like um, an alien in there. 
Um, that was a not a good start. But I will say I thought it was really cool how the the thing was all like super magnetized and like their dog tags were like going towards it and like everything was like moving behind it. It looked cool. They did a great job with all of that stuff. Um, I think this movie needed to wait like not 10 years for Harrison Ford, but 10 years for like CG to catch up. Yeah. Because the ideas that they had, I think were good. The execution of them on screen were very poor. Yeah. And this movie so he ends up going to school, right? He goes back to his university or something like that. Um, he goes back to uh, like the university, and when he's there, he, um, I don't know, somehow he runs into Shia LaBeouf, who is like a like a fifties kid, I guess at the time. Is this taking place in the fifties? Yeah, something like that. And I think that uh, I, I don't remember the connection to Shia, but it was like um, they they ended up meeting at like a cafe. So they meet at a cafe because he sees him on a train. He asks who he is. He says, my mom, Mary, told me to, to go look for you. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it all kind of um, – it all kind of calm, like ha- has these Russian guys come after him. And there's a huge chase scene where they're driving on a motorcycle through all kinds of things. And, yeah, I mean, it gets, it gets pretty – Pretty hectic and pretty wild here. They love a good chase scene in Indiana Jones, that is for sure. Um, and uh, pretty much they escape with the notes um, from his old friend uh, who's been searching for the this like mysterious crystal skull for a long time. So they have the notes of Indy's former friend, which we can't figure out his name at all. Um, Jim, can you think of his name? The, the friend? Yeah. yeah, Marcus Brody. No, no, no. The friend who's who's searching for the, the skull. Oh, no. I don't know his name. Yeah. Fuck yeah, the guy. guy that did the handwriting thing. So, yeah. So they go off on this journey, and they decide they're going to go to Peru. And so they just, like, travel to Peru, and they have these, like, notes. And they instantly go to this grave or this, this prison where mm. this friend was kept, and he has drawn, like, a cemetery on the ground. And somehow they're like, oh, yeah, that cemetery in Peru is a place we've never, ever been in our whole lives. Let's just go there. So they go <laughs> to the cemetery, and then it's like it's like a high school play when they're on the, in the cemetery with, like, weird people jumping around in the backgrounds wearing, like, skull masks. So weird. You're so right. That's exa- It felt like a stage production, totally. <laughs> it was like a high school play at this point, which was not great. Um, and there's these people jumping around. You do get a great moment where Indiana Jones takes the poison dart gun and shoots the poison dart backwards with not the pointy end into the throat of um, one of these like demon guys. Yeah, no, that was dumb. Um, they eventually cut open this um, like pod, um, mummified pod thing. And there's like a guy who looks like he died 10 minutes ago. Um, but when the oxygen hits, he ages. I actually thought that looked kind of cool. That was fun. Um, there's that. some kind of magnet stuff happening there, kind of like there was earlier in the movie. And it leads. So you're big on magnets. Big on magnets. This movie. This yep. giant crystal skull that's obviously like the same alien from like Alien. Yeah, basically. No, I thought yeah. it was cool. 
Can I just add one thing that we yeah. missed? We didn't touch on. So like throughout our rewatch, we've been sort of, I've been kind of obsessed with what is Indy's deal? Is he in it for the glory? Is he in it for the money? Is he in it for that sweet Marion ass? We don't know. Is he in it for it? But it, Mutt keeps calling him a grave robber, which I thought was so funny because then they literally go and kind of like are robbing graves in this movie. And he knows and, he's like, oh, it's probably off of like a side chamber and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And at one point he's like going to take some shit literally from a grave and he looks at Mutt and he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I probably shouldn't. And it kind of just calls into like, I think Indiana Jones is mostly just a fucking action junkie. I think this yeah, reinforces they, it. They they called into question his ethics like yes. multiple times in this in this movie. And I think they did finally answer the question that like that. They, they sort of retconned everything that they did in Last Crusade with all the, this belongs in a museum, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. then they're like, eh, he's kind of broke and he's just taking shit now. Like, he yeah. doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's trying to retire. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Indiana Jones was just like um, Academia Dan Bilzerian. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I'm he's sorry. broke now. So anyways, they, uh, I don't know, they head off into the jungle and they meet up with his former friend, colleague, colleague, and, and former mm-hmm. love, Marion, whose son is Shia LaBeouf. Love it. Didn't I mean, I don't, but it, but of course we could see that coming a mile away. Did you guys see the Marcus Brody statue? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Because I did, I wonder if that actor died or if he just couldn't make it. Like, I don't know what the deal is, but they they really like loved their characters in this movie. So they did have um, a scene where they try to escape being captured, and they end up like in quicksand. So stupid! Probably and the worst scene in the movie. They're rescued by a giant snake. Oh my god! He's like, well, by, uh, hold on, oh. you know, kind of, kind of. It was Shia LaBeouf wielding a giant snake to pull them out. Um, eventually, though, they get on... I don't know. How did they get in a car chase again? I don't know. How are these roads so big and wide in the jungle? I know that they showed like the chopping mechanism tr- truck up front that like apparently went 60 miles an hour straight through a level forest and tur- made it into like a highway. I yes, mean, it was yeah, it's so crazy. They get into some kind of high-speed chase. I don't even really recall how, but they're being chased for the skull. The skull ends up on the Russian woman's car. They're going through the jungle. Um, uh, at one point, Shia LaBeouf is standing with one foot on each vehicle, getting hit in the balls by, like, brush. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, this is after he, like, swung through the jungle at, like, really high speed. Uh, well, then then he goes up really high. He sees monkeys, and he gets an idea to swing on the vines like the monkeys to catch back up to them. Now, yes. it all leaves them falling. And not only, not only that, they were – okay, so they had gone onto a main road, and they were going, like, if you want to say, from right to left from where Shia was coming from. Yeah. And so not only did he have to swing on the vines, he had to swing on the vines at an angle to, you know, keep up with where they were headed to meet up with them in you know synchronous fashion just insane sometimes i'm bothered by spider-man swinging 
I'm like, man, I don't know if you could swing in that part of the city. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like in this, I was like, no, this one doesn't work for me at all. Um, so eventually he catches up. They end up in this like field of like, they, they crash into a, a giant anthill of like huge giant, scary human eating humans sw- human swarming eating ants yes yeah well, i kind of like that scene i don't know why <laughs> i think because it was the first you were in a great taste. mood when you watch this <laughs> no i think it was the first taste of cg that actually felt science fiction enough to be believable but then it was also done well right where it was like these these ants are terrifying and they're chasing after you and if you get caught, you're done. And oh, just pulling people back into the anthill. They were just swarming and eating people. Overall, I just think I kind of liked it. I don't know why. Like, like I said, like the, the cheese factor was low enough that it sort of met with the believability factor and it worked in that in that scene. You then had uh, Marion driving their truck tank thing off of a cliff into a tree like she planned it. And then the giant tree gently set them down into the river, which it was, was perfect. Like so they, they had, don't, don't forget, they called it a duck. So I don't know if you've ever been to the Wisconsin Dells and ridden on the Wisconsin ducks, which is the land and water operating vehicles. And yep. I think that's what they were going for. And so they, they had switched and they were driving the duck. And so she, she obviously, um, as a physics major and mathematician was able to calculate very quickly on the fly her trajectory off of the cliff onto the tree branch, which she couldn't see, um, and land in the water very safely. It's perfect. She is a, she's brilliant. We really missed her these last two movies. So then they proceeded to go over three giant like Niagara Falls height waterfalls. Um, yeah. And they stayed in the boat. For most of it. First few they stayed in the boat. The third one they finally fell out of the boat. And then they all instantly just popped up and were like, oh, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Then they find what is like an alien head um, rock structure in the waterfall that um, had like grass stuff growing on it. And then they knew to go behind the waterfall to enter where this skull is. And this is where they're the the guy that was like stuck in the jungle and couldn't speak or whatever came into play. And he was saying, you know, three times you fall three times and then the dragon's head appears or something like that or whatever. You fall three times. And they're like, what do you mean three times you fall? What are you talking about? They fell over a waterfall. And then he was like, three times you fall. And they were like, what? What do you mean? What does that even mean? Three times. (laughs) Like, bitch, you're going to fall again, obviously. Like, at that point, I was getting a little frustrated. Yeah. 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 So then, so then they get in there, and by the way, by the way, we've missed the fact that like there's this whole like traitor guy. Remember, like the friend. There's oh yeah, always the double a, agent. There's always a traitor in all these movies, and this time the guy kept dropping these sensors. Do you guys remember the red sensors he kept dropping? Yep. Did you guys think those looked oddly like suppositories? Mm-hmm. And did you ever wonder where he was hiding these sensors the whole time? I think I mean, they you're were going for an anal joke there, but um, I think yeah. they were probably in his pocket. <laughs> I mean, nope. Realistically, it turns out if you if you read behind the scenes, they were in his butt. <laughs> George Lucas confirmed it. 
Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, he's not a mule. He's not a he's not a a, a beacon mule. But yes, nope, they 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 looked oddly shaped, like a lipstick that would fit perfectly. Exactly. Um, and maybe they vibrated. I don't know. I don't know. What they <laughs> we, we don't know. We don't know yet. No. So but, yeah, he's uh, he 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 conned Indy in the in the car chase scene that Eric alluded to with Shia LaBeouf getting hit in the crotch with uh, lots of ferns. Um, the just remember i forget the remember beirut or whatever and and he's like you know i was telling you i'm a double agent and it turns out he's a triple agent uh with a double double cross and yeah so he's leading the russians right to them yeah turned on indy turned on the russians turned on indy again turned on the russians again i don't think he turned on anybody i think he's just out for himself and that's why he was gathering up all the shit at the end yeah. Never goes well for the guy that tries to grab a bunch of shit that he shouldn't. So then they found these meaningless um, legends of the hidden temple temple guards. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. And, and they had to like run away from them, which they tied their feet up with like these weapons that just tied people's feet up. And then they were like, well, we have Convenient. to go. And they were like, mm, go on. <laughs> and then they, they continued on. Those people all got massacred. By Which, by the way, that the the skull also worked on the ants. Yes. Away, lest we forget. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, they end up going into this thing and they find their way into a room of treasures. And when they move beyond the room of treasures, they find these crystal skeleton alien skeletons sitting in thrones in a circle. The crystal skull of the round table was what it looked yeah. like. Yeah. Basically. So eventually they they get uh, the Russian people show up as well. They take the skull, they put it on the head of the one that's missing a skull. They all start coming to life. They all have some kind of hive mind where they're like like-minded thinking, but they're all individuals. And they tried to explain that in a weird. And someone was like, "Oh, it's a hive mind." And you're like, how, "What? How do you know that? What? What do you? What do you mean a hive? A hive mind of aliens? Like, how do you know this?" And then they were mm-hmm. like. Oh well, they they know secrets. Their 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 treasure is secrets. And then the Russian woman's like, "I want to know everything." And Indy's like, "Uh oh, we better get out of here, guys." And they, <laughs> they like kind of got out of that room as it turned into a spaceship. And then she yeah, it started spinning, and then it turned into a spaceship. And I don't know how that happened, but sure. And then, like, too much knowledge, like, blew her head up. Mm-hmm. Blew her mind. Because she had too much knowledge. It blew her head up or something. And then, like, this spaceship, these aliens who had, like, obviously sunk enough resources in to putting a spaceship in on this planet and then letting it sit there for 2,000 years were just like, oh, now that everything's back in place, it can leave without ever going back for it. The spaceship yeah. leaves. They escape as water is rushing around everywhere. And then they have like a thing set that it looks like a natural disaster occurs. And the ground crumbles and rocks tumble in and it creates this little bay. And it's all replaced with water. Like they had an escape plan to erase their footprint, I think is what they said. Okay. I did like this part. And because it fits in with the rest of the indie theme where he goes and makes these giant earth shattering 
perspective changing discoveries that never never actually get to the public right so like it, it makes you think that this could be out there happening because you've never heard of it right so like you know in the first one they open the ark and all these people die and then they go throw it in a fucking warehouse never to be seen again um you know and then like the second one he just like this is in india so no <laughs> okay nobody knows what's going on in india apparently you know and and on and on so i thought that was kind of cool that like he's involved in these huge things that of course we haven't heard of because there's a reason for it. Well, the, and like you, to keep on with that, the grail in Last Crusade. They let the grail go in the, the hole. Buried into the center of the earth, basically. The, the entire thing collapsed, yep. Well, Andy tried to get it. Mm -hmm. All right, overall, this movie was bad, but entertaining. I thought it was like a B minus, or maybe more like a C plus, probably. And I watch C plus movies all day. I thought this movie was. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! I'm gonna stop you guys right there. You 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 got to come to realism here. Like we literally talked about all of the stuff and lambasted 98 percent of it. Between the, I mean, the kid's name was Mutt for Christ's sakes. They brought that variant. <laughs> he was like you said, he was doing a balancing act amongst the two cars that are going perfectly straight at the exact same time, getting hit in the crotch with ferns and didn't fall over. To the then we had like a couple cool scenes with the ants and then they go over the waterfall three times and then the alien ship with the hive mind like none of this is explainable none of this is excusable it's it was like not even sea level movie fun it was okay it was not good it was not even it wasn't even that fun because you're constantly looking at stuff and saying why are they deciding to what who wrote this. What yeah. is going on? I, this movie is a D plus at best. I think mm. that this movie was really cool because somehow it brought two worlds together for the first time ever. It brought Indiana Jones with even Steven and it <laughs> was his son the whole time. Yes, wow. that's brilliant. Yeah, that's why I like it. The whole time. It was great. And um, mostly a terrible movie, but so, I mean, in my mind, it was like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And it just was. It still is. It, it just still was. is. It wasn't. No, it wasn't as bad. Yes. I mean, people really panned it, but I, I you know, it followed the best one. It was like, dude, number three was a, was a fantastic movie. Is very close to a perfect movie. And, you know, 20 years later, they tried to get back on it, and it sucked. It sucked. And people were very disappointed, and I understand why. I just think that, like... Can you, can you say sucked? Like, a movie sucked and still gave it a B-? minus? Like I, No, I, I, I just, gave it a C plus. Okay, I still don't understand the correlation. Like, it's a, it's a D movie, like, across the board. I don't think that's even negotiable. I, I think the only reason you're saying that, like... It sucked it's in not comparison as bad. to the rest of the series. I just think that like like old movies are bad <laughs> in general, even the ones that we like. Like watching these old Indiana Jones movies, if they made this story now, we'd be like, what a dumb basic story with just terrible writing. But because it's old, there's just this nostalgia and this charm that goes along with it because we knew for the time it was like earth shaking. Like it was like completely showing people what movies and storytelling could even be at that time. And without that, we would have never gotten to the places we're at now. And so I think that they made a movie that like 
if that movie would have been made in 1991 as Indiana Jones 4 um, in 1991 instead of in 2009 or whatever it was, I mm-hmm. think people would have loved it. I, I feel like it could go... Uh, I, I My argument would be it can go the other way. And you look at it like Terminator would be the perfect example. Like, um, other than Dark Fate, which we, we kind of thought was like relatively fun, all the other post T2 movies that were made were trash. Mm-hmm. Right. And I that's think that's a great example. I of... think Raiders is or sorry, excuse me. Raiders is a great movie, but Last Crusade is the gold standard. And then you come at me with Magnets and Hive Minds and Three Falls, Falls and Human Eating Ants and you know all of this stuff and it's just bad. It's just bad. Okay, well they, they they weren't even trying. This was a cash grab movie and to to consider it anything else other than that, I think it's no. I actually okay. So we should move on, but I will say this: I don't think it was a cash grab movie. These were made by the richest people in Hollywood as a love letter to their favorite characters, maybe they've ever created, and they tried to do them justice. I mean, they had a shitty wedding scene with with like an old ass seventy year old indie marrying Marion. Like they loved these characters and they wanted to give them some kind of ending to their story, and they just. We're not capable, as we've seen with everything George Lucas has tried to do since Empire Strikes Back. Okay, I think it was a it was a reboot, cash grab, and not yep. necessarily for the not necessarily for for the people involved, but for the studios. And I did not like it. But anyway, so I digress. What's our next rewatch? Well, my vote, and I proposed this pre-pod, was Die Hard, and yeah. Die Hard One is a a, a very uh, fervent and stalwart Christmas movie, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. And I think since we're coming into the uh, the Christmas season, this would be the perfect time to uh, rewatch Bruce Willis in his prime. Yeah, I uh, agree. I cannot wait. Um, I Die Hard 1 is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's probably my top 50. And the other ones aren't bad. 3 is especially awesome. I think we should stop at 3. We'll do 1, 2, 3. It'll come right up to Christmas, and then we can decide what what our next big rewatch is going to be. But I think we should knock out Die Hard. I can't wait. All right, guys. I agree. We'll do that. We'll start it this week. Watch it with us. Die Hard 1. Um, Get in the Christmas spirit by watching Die Hard 1. It's on HBO Max. And it it probably is all three. Maybe elsewhere, but yes, all three of them are on HBO Max for sure. All right, guys. We're going to end with a segment we haven't done in a few weeks. It is Northeast rates. All right. We had tons of people send in rates this week. You guys have been holding on to them. Here we go. First one, domestic flavored beers. One more time, domestic flavored beers, like Bud Light Lime. Oh, wow. Man, wow. These are bad. Um, they're mostly bad, but beer is good. So pretending beer is bad is stupid. They're bad. That's a good point. They're bad in the world of beer. They're good in the world. Um, Bud Light, Lime, and other flavors like that, like Sam Adams, Pumpkin, and shit like that, is uh, 72. Okay. Okay. Gave you a a 12-pack of Bud Light, Lime, what are you going to do? Throw it in the trash? You're going to put it in your fridge? You're going to drink it for sure? No. I'm going to do exactly what Bill Burr did in the SNL skit. He's like, yeah, someone someone brings a 12-pack of this to your your house party. You're going to throw it in the back of the fridge? And then uh, six months later, someone's going to be like, you got a beer for me? He's like, well, I got this pumpkin shit. Or whatever. 
<laughs> That's exactly what I would do with that. Good, 72. Um, domestic flavored beers for me is a 35. I would never purchase it. If someone handed it to me, I'd be like, do you have anything else? And they'd be like, well, I have uh, fireball. I'd be like, well, I'll take a, give me a glass of fireball uh, on the rocks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan is in fine, crabby form tonight. No, Rock. I'm not crabby at all. I'm having a good time. I'm having a You're good having time. You're domestic flavored beers. Sorry. Well, he's drinking. He's like on his third low ball of fireball. So, yeah, he's feeling yeah, great. I'm drinking fireball straight, warm. Um. Okay, I okay. I'm not gonna go 35. That's aggressive. I think I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go 78. Not what I would choose, but it's a fucking beer. I mean, come on. If we said seltzers, you'd say 99. Uh, <laughs> I hey man, they ain't That's bad. Small liquor does count. They've grown on. Me. They've grown on me. All right, here we go. Next up, slippers. I'm going slippers. Um, wow, they're critical. If you live in Minnesota, I'm going slippers. Um. 85. That's strong. I, I love that score. I think Eric's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. No matter how warm your house is, as mm-hmm. you age, your feet will tend to get a little bit colder. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in my, I'm in my mid fifties at this point. So like <laughs> the, blood, the blood's not flowing as well as it used to. So I'm going to, I'm going to go slippers are an 87, especially when, if you can get some like real comfy ones, that the more you wear them, the softer and more comfortable they get. Jimbo, you're wearing slippers out in public to like walk over to Eric's house. Like I, I can't even imagine <laughs> if I if I had something like if I had slippers I could wear like out and about. Oh my yeah. god, it'd be incredible. I wore them to pick up beer at Modest today. There and then I wore them right back into my house and I'm wearing them right now. That's <laughs> that's the beauty of these slippers. Dude, I'm gonna give slippers um an 83. Hey, I think that's fair. Uh, they have grown on me, and I guess it's because I'm also getting older. I didn't know that, but Ryan, thanks for enlightening me. You're okay, welcome. MSP Airport. Oh, dude, it's a strong airport. I'm going to go with a 91. I like the airport. I, I, I don't get mad when I have to fly in or out of there. Dude, they got, like, lobster rolls there and shit. They got Smack Shack. They got everything. They got Masu. They Flashy got, like... Pizza. Um, yeah, they got a ton of great stuff. I like airports in general. Um, what I give it? Uh, uh, 80 something? 91. 91. Hell yeah, 91. I agree completely. So I think, I think it's important to, for MSP airport to, to be dissected into two terminals as it is. Um, and then terminal one, as Jim said, is like uptown. Terminal one rest- is like Mall of America light. Okay, sure, yeah. but I, I was just I was yeah. going from the from the fact of like um, like restaurant quality and availability. Like there's ton like anything that you want food wise, you can find in Terminal One. Terminal Two is brilliant as well because it's got very low volume security lines, especially if you're a uh, uh, what's the what's the deal with the uh, like the the quick pass where you go through there, like you're never going to have to wait more than five minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's got a, uh, a barrio taco place. It's got a, a great bar. Um, I love terminal two. Um, I love terminal one. Um, I would say MSP as far as like an overall comparatively to all of the other terminals that I've flown into, it's an easily a 90. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go a little lower because going to the airport isn't quite that fun. I'm going to say 81. 
MSP, okay. one of the best airports. Great airport. I've been to many. Great. I love it. Dan Levy. Dan Levy. Yeah, Eugene Levy's son, who is very. Own, oh my God! I think we mostly only know him from uh, Schitt's Creek so far. Yeah. Yes. But I think he has a ton of potential talent. The only thing I worry about him a little bit is that he maybe already has pigeonholed himself into a certain type of role. Mm-hmm. But boy, will he nail it! He's already got. So now he, I've seen him on like some Netflix like shitty movie, and he's like already like the gay fun friend in a romantic comedy. And I don't want that to be his end goal or his end uh, end position. I'm going to give him an 87 for his positivity. And I'm going to subtracting those 13 points because I don't know how much potential he has to do a lot of different kind of character acting. I'm going uh, Dan Levy uh, 72 um, because Schitt's Creek was like a 72. And he was the best part of Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't watch that much of Shit's Creek because I thought it was unfunny. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying it's to be crappy. It's supposed to be we, funny, right? It's supposed to no, be I funny. Think, I think we all tried to give Shit's Creek a try, and it was yeah. just like uh, okay. I watched um, Shit's Creek and I quit with three episodes left of the exactly. whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. Holy shit! So <laughs> that's wild, man. I'm with Eric. I'm going to go 70. I think the potential is there, but give me a little bit more than uh, Schitt's Creek, which is beloved by uh, lots of old people. All right. Next up, Red Zone. I'm going to go first. Red Zone is a 98. Wow. Red Zone is very. What, what do you what do you what do you pay for that? Uh, 4.99. A day. A month? a month, and you only pay for it for the football season. Yeah, that's cool. I don't have it. Um, yeah. Never, ha- never had it. Never had it. It's pretty much a dollar twenty-five per NFL weekend for you just to watch fantasy football all day. Fantasy football highlights. Hey, here's the next big play. Oh, this play just happened. Oh, here, this team's in the red zone. I don't know if I can get into it. It's like yeah. the best. There's no commercials. Yeah, I don't yeah. care as much about that stuff because all of the things pop up on your fantasy feed almost instantly as well. So I don't I don't think there's any while you're watching MasterCard commercials on the Packers and Colts game, they're just like, oh here's what's happening in the Jets game right now. Oh my God, look at what's happening in this game. Oh here's the craziest play that just happened right here. Let us show you. No commercials ever. It's the best. Okay. I'm not familiar with it. I'm gonna give it an 80 straight because I don't know it. I've never paid for it. I like to get invested into a game after watching like two boring quarters. I mean, like, oh, actually, this game's kind of picking up. Oh, this, I'm kind of into it. I'll watch like a boring 3:30 game through the whole fucking thing, and then I'm excited at the end if it's a good game. I think Eric's got gotten got by the NFL, and that they've convinced him that this is important for fantasy football when it literally updates on the app as fast as it is. Well, updating on the on the red zone. Hold on. You're doing something else and looking at your phone only. Eric, that's all you do is look at your phone. No, I'm <laughs> what are you what I'm watching I, I would I would almost guarantee you know about the touchdowns on Twitter faster than Red Zone's able to bring it to you. So you're you're paying you're paying for something that you can find out the information faster but via other apps. I wish so you- I would say Ryan, what's your score? Sixty one. Oh, 
I I'm gonna have to have you guys over for a day of red zone, and then you're gonna be like, nah, this is fucking cool. All right, next up, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Oh my god. First, Rudy Giuliani. I'm gonna give him a two, okay? Um, because one, he is literally um a complete criminal crook who is trying to dismantle democracy and is literally about as bad as it gets. But I'm giving him a two because somehow he can still be the butt of a joke. Hey, I like that. I like that. I'm going to give him a seven. Um, You know, I think that I I can't prove that he's actually like killed people and stuff, but you know, in a way he has, he's killed the the heart of democracy. And um, yeah, he's absolutely a giant joke. I feel bad for his family and future generations of him. He's the worst. I mean, Eric gives him a two. I think that's uh, that's generous. I'll, I mean, he was America's mayor for a time after yeah. 9-11. And I think some of those works that he did at the time felt a little bit more genuine than what he's doing now. Yeah. Like he actually cared about New York City um, post 9-11 and, and did what he could um, in, a, in the heart of a terrible tragedy. Give him but a one just, point for that. Give him one percentage point for that. Yeah, but now he's just become like a caricature of a of a bad comic, you know, where you you're like his hair dye is literally like running down the side of his face during a, a hour and a half press conference where he's trying to defend one of the worst thing that, that that's ever happened in this country um, via like lies and distortion. I, I, he's a he's a one. I, I mean, I just respect any person whose microphone is actually just their penis. Um, (laughs) Well, he's looking in his shirt, Eric. God, why you got to give him such a hard time about trying to molest a 16-year-old reporter? All right, guys. So here is the last couple. They're all themed this week for Thanksgiving. So you can go quickly. Um, How about uh, drinking the night before Thanksgiving in your hometown? That's a... That's a... 20 for me, Bob, which means it's a no. Don't do it again. Mm, I'm going to say that's a... I mean, you're off the next day. You're drinking with people who you don't want to see. It's a 47. I mean, it depends on, you know... So, it depends on what your goals are. Right? Are you trying to... You, Ryan Barter, right now are in Quincy at a bar... Drinking heavily with people that you went to school with. I mean, I'm in Quincy, Illinois. That's already like a two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for you, it may be very low. I'm trying to put myself in like 21-year-old me shoes. You know what I mean? Like, I I guess I was trying to think of it from that perspective. Where you're like, oh, that girl that never talked to me before is now suddenly available. You know, like that kind of scenario. But yeah, okay. I would agree that if, if I'm going back to my hometown and I'm drinking on Thanksgiving Eve, it's a 27. Okay. All right. How about, how about the Macy's Parade? RIP, I think. But uh, also, like maybe a 40 because I don't care about it. The Macy's Parade is harmless, but it's not for me. Um, I'm going to give the Macy's Parade a 39 just so I'm one lower than you. Okay. Um. When was the last time either of you watched more than 30 consecutive seconds of the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade? Every single fucking year. 
probably every year I have it on my TV. It's, and I'm it's always on before you know, football. It's on. Here's a choir from Kansas and also an actor from an 80s sitcom. Why are you, why do you have that on? <laughs> oh my gosh, you've never seen this mascot, but Macy's new 2020 Squirrel of the Winter. Look at him. Oh, Pushing <laughs> oh, my, oh god. my god, is that Garfield's music? Oh my god. Yeah. Also on the bushy-tailed <laughs> squirrel shop at Macy's is Shaggy singing his songs from 18 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and stay tuned, folks. After our commercial break, we're going to be bringing you. Oh my God! What's the name of the band? Some 41. Like they're going to be like in a. All right. Um, we all hate it. Uh, 25. Because I don't watch it. Okay. Okay. Um, next up, green bean casserole. Yeah. Can you pick? Can you pick some good topics? Like you picked some stuff that like. Uh, Dude, kind of... viewers, don't don't insult our listeners. Green yeah, bean are... casserole is a is an eighty. I like green bean casserole. The crispy onions on top, the cream of yeah. mushroom base. So like the better the better version of that is to use cream of chicken soup, and that's like a a low key pro tip. Okay. Is cream of chicken soup is better with that than the cream of mushroom soup. But I agree. But I think the best part of the dish is the crispy onions. Oh yeah. If you don't get it, like like. If, I don't want I don't want soupy green beans like dude. But if without that here's product, my pro tip worthless. My pro tip is more about the scoop, and it should be wide and shallow. Do you feel <laughs> yeah, me? Agree. Do you feel you me? Like four green beans and ninety eight percent crispy onion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you pull that off, it might be it might be an eighty for me. And with the normal scoop, it's like a seventy two. It's fine. I put it on my plate, but I don't take up much space with it. Also, this is valuable real estate. Do. I don't fuck around with a lot of green bean space. The real pro tip is to skip the green beans, grab an extra shovel full of mashed potatoes, and you're back in. Oh, God, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, for, the, for the crispy green beans, I'll give it a 70. Okay. Right, they're finally, fine. Finally, turkey. Oh, turkey's wonderful. I love turkey. Turkey, turkey, baby. I'm going to give it a... 94. 94. Turkey is a wonderful bird. There's so many different great spots you can get after it. It's awesome with leftovers. Um, turkey legs smoked at the fair. Phenomenal. All those things are so true. Um, I'd take turkey probably over chicken. Um, definitely take it over ham. So, yeah. No. Except that, bre no. Except that breakfast. Except ham that breakfast. sucks. Not over chicken. Stop. Uh, all right. Chicken's better. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not rating chicken. You've never gone to you've never gone to Wendy's or you've never gone to to Chick Fil A and been like, oh, just give me the the breaded turkey sandwich. <laughs> also, also he said ham sucks, which is yeah. bullshit because Jimbo has staunchly said that ham is the most elite of the breakfast meats mm. possible. Well, but if yeah. we're talking Thanksgiving dinner, I agree. Are, are ham oh, is for Christmas overrated. ham? Are they giving you this amazing sandwich with like thin sliced ham with like cheese and sauce on it? No, they're giving you spongy, <laughs> a ham steak, <laughs> ham steak, ham steak sucks. It's it's pink sponge with salty. Okay, it's like okay, slightly so salty we, pink sponge. Hold on, so let's ask this question. This is an important. This is an important question. 
So when you go to Flame Burger and you get to ranch breakfast, what breakfast meat are you getting? Sausage links. You're going links. Oh, so you're yeah. not you're not getting the ham steak. No, fuck that. I so like ham sl- is ham is not the most elite breakfast meat there is. It needs to be thin sliced and then put on a sandwich or so chopped up. You want up Virginia ham. Sliced. You want Virginia ham essentially. You want yeah. ham lunch meat for yes. breakfast. Yes, yes, and put that yeah. into some like a scramble or on a breakfast sandwich, and it is the best. That's false, but anyway, I I completely agree. Uh, turkey is pretty elite. I think it depends on the cook um, because sometimes the white meat can be a little bit too dry when they overcook it, as most uh, Minnesotan kitchens do. Uh, The dark meat's usually pretty good. Um, Miss me with the stuff, the stuffed bird. I don't want any of the stuffing from the inside. We're not rating stuffing. I know. I'm just saying I don't don't want the soggy stuffing from inside the turkey. Just let the turkey cook normally. Um, And I think. I think it's better. So for me, turkey is a 91 and it needs gravy. Yes, it needs gravy. Turkey is the only meat that makes you tired. It needs gravy, mashed potatoes, stuffing, et cetera, to be good. It's probably only good with other things. Turkey. We've we've talked about this many times. Turkey's not the star of the show for Thanksgiving. Positive, but it's not great. The 68. Oh my God! Is that that's too low? low. That's, that's atrocious. Average, but like I'm not like yes, turkey. Give me a sixty-eight. I wanted to see you in the eighties. Yeah, but Eric, stop someone. Send me home with a to-go bag. Like no, Eric, stop it. But then when you get home and you have that dinner roll and you throw a little mayo on there with a little turkey, a little salt, and then then you're back in. Like you put all the good things on it, then it's tasty. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Something good can't have good shit with it. Jeez. It should be an 80. Your score should be in the 80s. But it's okay. uh, Before we wrap up then, and I know we we do this every year, but let's talk about, real quickly, if you were only to eat a side Mm -hmm. for Thanksgiving, which one would it be? And why is it mashed potatoes? And why is it mashed potatoes? I'd say the most important thing is good gravy. Stop. Because because gravy can enhance everything. Like you need good gravy, and if the person cooking like has all these great sides, but they like fucking burn their gravy, or they don't know how to make enough, and it runs out, it my measurable my, my disappointment is immeasurable, and my day is ruined. All Eric? I know is that it's stuffing. Why? No, that's crazy. Stuffing is the best. Um... Especially cheap stuffing. Like, give me that like stove top stuffing. Like, wow, how is that? Then, then why don't you make it? Why don't you make it a couple times every week, or every month? How do you know I don't? Because <laughs> we know oh. you and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I I kind of agree with Eric that like so I like the stove top stuffing, but you need to bake it. So then like you need to make it, it takes five minutes to make. I mean, you're basically like boiling water and then adding like the shit and the, like the, the breading and the seasoning to the water. But I, then I think you need to take it and throw it into the oven to like crisp up like the outside. So you have like a crispy and Jimbo, I know you're a big texture guy. This is not your thing. Crispy outside, <laughs> squishy inside, not into it. But I feel like from stuffing and then you do that and then you add some gravy to it. It's really good. But for me, like mashed potatoes, mashed yeah. potatoes are the ultimate arbiter of Thanksgiving dinner. Jimbo, you said the gravy. I think that I think that's 
really close, but if someone like screws up the mashed potatoes and all you have is turkey stuffing and gravy Ugh. and some green beans, you're going to be fucking pissed. Rough day. Like you're going to be Rough livid. Day. If there's no yeah. like really good mashed potato, get me out of that Thanksgiving. I mean, day. you are right that like if you had a good mashed potato, everything else is good. They fucked up the gravy. You could probably slap like a bunch of butter and salt on it, mix it all up. It still would be okay. So I think mashed potatoes is the answer. Here's the thing. If the gravy was messed up, you could still take your piece of like even overcooked white meat turkey, dip it through the mashed potatoes and the butter and take a bite. And it's still going to be elite. Yeah. That's right. Oh the mashed God. potatoes are on point. So then let me ask you, let me ask you one more question. Thanksgiving's what's most, coming. <laughs> what's the most overrated Thanksgiving side? Cranberry bullshit sauce. I was going to say, why is it candied yams? <laughs> no, candied yams are pretty good. It's cranberry bullshit. What is that? That's gross. Any cold yeah. with cream-based salad is pretty bad. That's so you're not into like the green apple throw up looking stuff. I'm pretty good on that. Like I'm always yeah. like, oh, I want a big scoop of that. And then I get it and I'm like, can I throw it away? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. I, so for me, it's the candied yams. I think that they're, uh, yeah, they're super sweet and they're fine, but like it's, they're real squishy and then people always throw like walnuts on them and I don't want walnuts in that kind of thing. Plus I'm already getting sweets from the pie. Like I'm saving all my sweet tooth stuff for the pumpkin pie or the apple pie or whatever is served that, or uh, what's the pecan pie? Like all that stuff is so much better than a candied yam. Like I'd rather take two helpings of mashed potatoes than candied yams. Agree. Agree. All right, guys, we are. All right, that was fun. We're thankful for you guys, the listeners. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed our podcast. Uh, stay safe over Thanksgiving. Um, we know it's unprecedented times, so do your best. And uh, Zoom with your family. I think that's the right call this year. Um, but until next week, we're thankful for you. And uh, thanks for listening every single week to the Nordies Podcast. All right, guys, here we go. Huge Thanksgiving edition of the Nordies podcast. We are going to end Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Rewatch. We have a bunch of different news stories to get into. And uh, before we uh, go into Nordies, before we go into Nordies rates, um, even I have to do this one over. Okay, just go. <laughs> All right, guys. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right i'm muting i'm muting go all right guys nord east podcast a special thanksgiving edition of the nord east podcast we end indiana jones <laughs> <laughs> i was giving you the signal dude <laughs> all right one more try i'm, I'm gonna close my fucking eyes all right.